0: my private Facebook group. And if you're not in that, you should be, I'll leave links in the show notes. And a lot of parents were talking about how to help anxious kids who crumble under pressure. And it was a big topic because a lot of our anxious kids crumble under pressure for so many different reasons. But I had the parents kind of give me examples of what they're talking about so that I can bring you some specific advice based on that. Speaking of which, I am in the process of creating something totally brand new, an idea that I'm floating around. I actually heard it on another podcast and I liked it so much. I was like, I'm going to do that in my podcast too. So I am thinking about bringing on bonus episodes a couple of times a month for mini coaching sessions and people can join and I can be their mini coach and they can submit questions and it will just be like a Q and a kind of like a dear Abby for those of us that are old. And I can answer very specific questions. I get tons of emails every day. They go to my assistant Sarah, and I can't answer them because it is literally impossible to answer all those questions. And it's hard to read them. That's why I have her read them because if I read something, it makes me feel bad, and then I feel like I have to answer. And people find very creative ways to reach out to me. They will message me on Facebook, they will email me, they will email my practice email, they will DM me on Instagram. And so I don't answer or look at any of those just so that, you know, so don't try it, but I wanted to be able to provide something a little bit more concrete so that I can formally answer those. Because if you have that question, chances are a lot of other parents who are raising kids with anxiety or OCD have the exact same question. So that's why I thought I would do my mini coaching episodes and you can sign up for me to be your mini coach and I will do those episodes. I am thinking about throwing in a whole bunch of other stuff with it that those people that are in the mini coach membership would get access to my classes for maybe 50% off or some other bonuses. I'm still working through it and trying to figure out what platform I'll use to do that, but stay tuned. I just want you to know that that is what's going on because I apparently don't know how to relax. I always have to come up with something new and different, but anyway, let's get started talking about anxious kids who crumble under pressure this is a big struggle for so many of us, and I'm, I want to break it down in a couple of different ways because it's different for each kid. So, the first step, and actually, before I even go into this, <laughs> I want to preface the entire episode with the fact that helping kids who crumble under pressure is one of the hardest issues to help a kid with. There are so many topics and so many issues that come through my practice. There are some that I get very invigorated about and I'm like, yes, I know exactly how I'm going to walk you through this. And we can make progress in the next few weeks. And as long as you do you and you do your thing, you're going to see some, some good results. And there are other issues where I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a little bit long-winded and tricky and working with kids who are avoidant and don't want to do things and crumble under pressure. Avoidance is a hard issue to help kids with. So I just, I want to say that to begin with so that you don't feel like Natasha's going to give me my silver bullet answer. I'm going to go apply it and life is going to be peachy and rosy and everything will be great. My child will never avoid again. I'm sorry, <laughs> but people would be lining up at my door if I had that kind of superpower, but I am going to teach you some methods that I teach you in my practice on how to work through avoidance and how to help our kids over time improve because it is not an easy thing. Partly because they avoid. And so with anxiety in general, kids will either be a little overzealous. This I'm in this category, by the way, if you can't tell already. So we don't know how to relax. We have to do everything. We have to get everything off our plate before we even allow ourselves to relax. Kind of you might look at it as a go-getter, but really it's an exhausted go-getter where you're very punitive to yourself. You you don't allow yourself to relax. And then on the opposite end of the continuum, I mean, still with anxiety, you have kids who are avoidant, And so they get so overwhelmed with all the things they have to do. They just rather put them off they can look like procrastinators. And then they wind up in like fight or flight mode when the deadline is happening or the thing they're avoiding is creeping up on them. So it's interesting how anxiety can do that. We all have different ways of coping with anxiety and it can really go one way or the other. So I am a doer, others are avoider. It's not written in stone. You can have a child who's super avoidant and you can teach them how to become unavoidant by bringing about their awareness of this is how your anxiety manifests. This is what happens with anxiety. You get overwhelmed and the way that you cope with it is to shut down and not do it. So, okay, having said all that, I wanna break it down and talk about the first thing that you wanna do is understand what kind of pressures and triggers crumble your child, because I am probably gonna be talking about different things depending on who you are and what your child's issues are, because kids will avoid under pressure for very different reasons. And the origin or the cause of the breakdown will be different for each kid. So like everything else I talk about, I mean, really, literally any issue that I explore with you, we are looking at two different things to start with education motivation, which is kind of like the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about today and the trigger, you know, what's, let's go all the way down to the core fear and figure out what is happening. That's what we want to know about. So if my child is avoiding schoolwork, what is the core fear driving that avoidance? If my child has a hard time with deadlines, what is the core fear underneath that? If my child is afraid of, social pressures, being called on, being watched, being less than everybody else. If they have a hard time with time limits, if they have a hard time making decisions, we want to know with all of those. And those are all taken directly from the thread of the Facebook group that I was talking about my Facebook group, where we were discussing this, I asked for more specifics and those were the ones that I got. And those are all very different things and they're all driven by very different reasons. And so you're going to approach those in different ways. But to talk about it in kind of a more global term, we want to figure out what's what's behind it. So for deadline, and I'm going to go through each one of these rather briefly, because I want to be able to get to all of them. And I want to keep my podcast short, because we don't have a million years to listen to Natasha. So I'm going to go through each one of them and kind of address them individually. But for all of those, we want to figure out what is driving it, it will be different. Are they afraid of not being able to get it done in time? Are they afraid that they're not going to do it as well as everybody else? Are they afraid that people are going to criticize them? Are they afraid that it won't be perfect enough? Are they afraid that they're going to make the wrong decision? So those are all vastly different things. And the way that we would help a child with that would be vastly different. Now, before I dive any further, I also want to bring up PDA, a pathological demand avoidance, That isn't something that you hear a lot about in the States, but it is something that is talked a lot about in the UK, in other areas of the world. And it is a subtype under the autistic spectrum. And I am not well versed in PDA. I know probably as much as you would if you went and read about it. It's not something that is talked about a lot in the OCD community where I'm in, you know, or the anxiety community. And autism is not my specialty. Although sometimes there is big overlaps because kids with autism can also have anxiety and OCD. Although sometimes it does look very different. So I do want to mention PDA because some of you might have pathological demand avoidance, and you're going to want some more information on that. So I'll leave a link in the show notes. You can go to pdasociety.org.uk. There's other sites as well and learn more about that to see, because I'm not going to be going into that today. That's not my area of specialty. I'm going to be talking about kids with anxiety and OCD who under pressure crumble and tend to avoid. That's the topic for today. Okay. So let's talk about deadlines and the schoolwork, because a lot of us are now Mrs. Teacher. I was going to say Miss Mom, but that doesn't make any sense at all. A lot of us are now going to be Miss Parent or Mr. Parent and you know, the teacher as well. My kids are going to be doing online schooling. I don't know for how long, like for at least the first semester and maybe the whole year. And I know a lot of you are in the same boat. And even if you're not, just schoolwork in general is hard. But now if you have to micromanage that, that's going to be tricky, right? So for overwhelm, and I'm going to give you just some very pretty basic concrete suggestions. And they, they may not fix the issue because kids who are avoidant, Are very hard to motivate, and it is a very difficult issue. So, the first thing we want to do is figure out what's overwhelming them. If it is that I don't understand this, then we might want to break it down into more simple terms. A lot of times it feels like it's too much. So, if it feels like it's too much, a lot of anxious kids will look, and I am like this too, I'll look at something I have to do and I'll think, oh my gosh, that's going to take so much time, and that's so much work. Look at all these different things. So, Some people who have this as an ongoing issue, I'll have them chart it in my practice. So I will have them guess how much, how long do they think this stuff is gonna take them? So they'll write down, you don't have to do my spelling words or I have to do my vocab, I have to do math, I have to do my reading. Oh my gosh, it's gonna take me forever. And then you can do a column where how long do you think this is gonna take you? And have them guesstimate how long they think it's gonna take them. And then time them, not with them being aware because that might actually cause a lot more stress. And figure out how much time it did take. And so when you do these kind of graphs, you can intellectually show the child you thought it was going to take four hours and it actually took you one hour. So helping that kind of that reframe that work is going to take me forever can be helpful for older kids. The other thing is I break it down into really small bite-sized pieces for my kids. I did at the end of the last school year when I was kind of playing teacher and sometimes we have to teach our kids how to do that. And even high schoolers may not know how to do that. So maybe writing down one thing that they have to do today, or like you have to do this one thing, you know, in the next two hours, and then you're going to do this other thing. And so breaking it down into small little increments, instead of saying you have these 10 things you have to do today, breaking them into small little pieces can be helpful and not having them see the entire picture can be a good thing. As they get older, the hope is that they can, do that for themselves and that's what I do as an adult who has the stress and the pressure of time and tasks. I mean, that's me. I have a to-do list and when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I only look at what is on my day today. And so we want to train our kids how to do that. So even if you can train them on how to do a to-do list, a lot of the older kids I work with who had a lot of school projects and a lot of things going on in their life, I would have them do a calendar and I'd have them break out the tasks in a little small amounts. So I'm going to read 10 pages today, 10 pages tomorrow, 10 pages the next day. I'm going to make an outline for my paper. And then on Saturday, I'm going to write the rough draft. So a lot of anxious kids don't know how to break down their assignments or their tasks that they have to do. And this could be anything. It doesn't have to be schoolwork. It could be chores that they have to do or any task that they feel is overwhelming So we want to teach them how to chunk it, break them down, write them down on a calendar. And then I teach kids to only look at that week. And for some kids, even just that day, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I don't look at my calendar. I look at just my to-do list for today. And then I'm like, okay, I have three things today. Those are manageable. That's not that bad. I can do it. And I feel better. So that is a skill that we can teach our kids over time. Moving on. And I'm going to touch on these rather briefly social anxiety pressure, like being afraid to be called on, being afraid of being watched, being afraid that you're less than everyone else, or you're going to be embarrassed. That's not about pressure. That's not the topic, really. That's about social anxiety. And so I would recommend looking at my resources for social anxiety, because there's no point in diving deep into that here, because that is actually... A social anxiety issue, not a pressure issue the pressure feeling like you're crumbling under pressure that's the symptom but the thing that's causing the symptom is social anxiety. So if I'm so worried about being called on then I want to work on my social anxiety and you can do that I have a social anxiety online class that is for kids and adults anybody can take it. It's a direct class so it's my other classes like how to teach kids to crush anxiety and how to teach kids to crush OCD those are for parents to teach you how to help your child. But my social anxiety class is actually for people with social anxiety directly. So you can check that out at atparentingsurvivalschool.com and that can help. I also have lots of podcasts on social anxiety because I have social anxiety, so it's a theme I love to talk about. And so if you just go to my website at atparentingsurvival.com, go to the search button and then just type in social anxiety, you're going to see probably at least two pages full of resources of stuff that I've done. So check that out. Moving on, I just want to get through my list so that I can kind of touch on a lot of these. Time limits can be very hard for kids. And unfortunately, we live in a society where they do a lot of timed testing. And I don't like that because I don't think that's fair. I feel like it gives an unnecessary edge to people who, who rush through their work or who test in a really great way. And it's not an accurate portrayal of intelligence. So I'm not a fan of timed testing. And in Arizona, they do a lot of minute math and like minute reading. They do all these things where like my child has to like read as many words as they can in a minute, or they have to do as many math problems in a minute. And I think it's stupid to be honest with you, but we can't change society at this point. We can work on it. And so if you do have a kid who crumbles over time, You can do exposures. I've done this with kids in my class where in my, in my class, in my therapy, sometimes it feels like a class where we would do like five minute trials or one minute trials where I'm giving them time testing. And basically I'm desensitizing them to doing the testing. And sometimes I'll put things on there and I say, you're not going to know some of these answers on purpose because I want you to learn how to move past things that you don't know. So you can do exposures on time limits. If it becomes a real big issue, don't be afraid to voice your opinion and advocate for a 504 plan if you're in the United States. I don't know if there are other accommodations in the UK and Canada and Australia. Those I know I get a lot of people from those areas listening to the podcast as well, but in, in the United States, you can get a 504 plan even if your child is getting fantastic grades and they're like you know a model student. It does take some advocating depending on your school and maybe some documentation from the therapist, but you can, and I have seen kids that I've worked with get time limits, accommodations where they are not timed for testing. So that is something to consider moving on from there. Cause I just wanted to touch all of these briefly when we have a child who has a difficulty making a decision that can be for many different reasons. So that's another form of pressure that kids have. And I have seen this for several different reasons and they all are vastly different. So you have a child who has FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. That's a very big reason why some kids have a hard decision. I've seen this as someone's main anxiety issue is their inability to make decisions on any level. And they get paralyzed because they weigh pros and cons and they can't, no matter what happens, they can always see how the other decision might have been better. And they're terrified that they might make the wrong decision. So a lot of working with that is teaching them to sit with discomfort and saying, no matter what, you're not going to be happy with your decision because you're always going to see that the grass is greener on the other side. There's always going to be like, well, that one could have been good because blah, blah, blah. And so Again, you can do exposures around this. So a lot of these can be done with exposures where they have to make a lot of decisions and you can just do exposures around decisions. And I've seen it so severe where kids can't make a decision about what to eat. What do you want for dinner? What are you going to wear today? Some really basic ones. So if if you are dealing with your child where it's basic like that, you can do exposures where you're like, you're going to have to make a lot of decisions. And we're purposely doing that so that you can learn how to feel confident that regardless of whatever decision you make, you're going to have to sit in that discomfort because that's really the end goal with exposures is learning how to sit with discomfort and learning how to sit with the discomfort of not having a perfect decision because that doesn't exist. Now, other people might have a hard time making a decision because they're worried about other people's reactions. That goes back to social anxiety. And so that's not really about a difficulty making a decision. And it's not really about crumbling under pressure that's a social anxiety problem. That's the core issue there. So you go back to my social anxiety resources and there is a bigger problem underneath that. That's just one little tentacle of a very big, large octopus. And you have to look at the whole octopus, not just that tentacle in order to make progress with that. If I care too much about what other people think and I'm so consumed with that, then I need to focus on that on a bigger scale than just my ability to make decisions. Now, I wanna mention some people with OCD actually have a hard time making decisions. I've seen that a lot in my office. Most of the time it tends to be with kids who have moral OCD or also known as scrupulosity OCD, where they worry that they might be lying. And so there are a lot of people who have an OCD theme where everything they say and anything they do, they think might not be an accurate portrayal of who they are. And so you might say, do you want pizza? And they all say, yeah, I want pizza. And then they have this intrusive thought that says, but do you, or did you just lie to your mom? Because I actually think you want spaghetti. And so then that child might be like, "Uh, wait, uh, well, I think I want pizza. Maybe they often soften their words. And then they say, well, maybe I want spaghetti. I don't know. And then you give them spaghetti and they go, well, but maybe I wanted pizza. I don't know. And the origin of that is the fear of lying, the fear of not being accurate and not portraying their opinion in an accurate way. So be careful with that one, because if your child has a lot of other moral OCD stuff, they might be having a hard time making a decision because of that. And I do exposures around lying, and I do exposures around making a decision really quickly. There is this game on Amazon, I think, called Choices. Uh, It's a card game, and you just have to pick which choice. It's kind of like this or that, or would you rather... Those games are really good to use as exposures. You have to make a decision, you have to make a decision really quickly and we're moving on. And so it desensitizes them on some level to the pressure of having to make a decision. So having said all that, that's a lot of stuff and it's a lot of different stuff, right? So you can see why I felt like this topic was a little overwhelming to take on you know, altogether because it's such a big topic and it looks so different for each kid. I think a lot of us are going to be dealing with kids who can't handle any responsibility and any pressure. And a lot of times the knee-jerk reaction for that is to reduce the expectations and not let our child have to do anything because we're afraid that to push them over the edge. Now, you do have kids that they crumble under pressure because they are pressure cooker, And their anxiety and OCD is so great and so overwhelming and is triggered so easily that they're avoiding everything and anything because they don't want to be triggered and they can't tolerate any more discomfort. So there are those kids, but there are other kids where they just want to sit in comfort. And so they just want to sit on their computer and they just want to sit in their bed and they just want to sit in their pajamas and they don't want to do anything that doesn't bring them joy and happiness and gratification. Because that feels better. And so our goal for those kids is to get them to sit in some discomfort. And it might be a small little baby step. Like I want you to do, you know, you can pick from your menu of here are four things that you can do today that aren't really comfortable. And I want you to commit to one of those and getting our kids to sit in discomfort and to sit in things that are not gratifying is going to be really important. And you explain it to them. Anxiety wants you to avoid. That's what anxiety does. And so it's going to want you to just do the things that you love doing that feel good because anxiety and OCD don't feel good. But if we do that over in time, everything is going to feel uncomfortable. And if everything feels uncomfortable, this would be a good YouTube video. I should make a YouTube video on this as well. I will stay tuned because I feel like I need to talk directly to your kids as well. But we want to convey this to them and i think that'd be helpful for them to see like why it's harmful to be so avoidant and then give them very very small tasks that they can complete very quickly so there's some success there so we're not giving them like this very complicated comprehensive task that we want them to do we're giving them very simple tasks so they can start to feel successful a lot of times once we get things going then a lot of times kids are jump started and they start to feel better. So we start with really tiny things. If it's a chore, we can give them a choice and we can pick something that's very simplistic just to get them going. Sometimes we get frustrated and we say, you know, today you're going to clean up your room. You're going to do your laundry. And I want you to finish that reading assignment that you have that was due over the summer. And don't forget, that you need to like clean out the kitty litter. And that's what I want you to do today. And that's for an avoidant person. That's so much. And they just hear all that and they just think, no, I just can't do it. And I don't even know where to start. So picking with something small today, I want you to read the first chapter of that book. And what time do you want to do it and get them to commit to a time I do this with my son. He's turned into a pretty avoidant kid. And I'm concerned about school starting in a week and a half and how my kids are going to handle that. Having had a very kickback COVID summer where we've literally done nothing. And he plays the drums and all he has to do is practice the drums. He loves the drums, but he's avoidant because he's like, you know, it doesn't feel a hundred percent as great as playing this app that I'm playing on my iPad. And so I get him to commit. What time do you want to practice drums? And so he said, okay, I'll I'll play at 12. Okay, how are you going to remember to play at 12? Right? So I'm not telling him you're going to practice at 12 and I'm going to remind you at 12. I want some ownership. So how are you going to remember? And so today, this morning, he said, well, can you set an echo reminder? And so I set an echo reminder, like an Alexa, but we don't call it Alexa, we call it echo. And so I set a reminder for him because he asked me to. And then at 12 help practice drums. And I'm at the point now, normally I'm very hands-off and I'm kind of like, you know, it's your deal if you want to, but today I'm going to, I'm going to be firm about it. Like, no, if you don't want to practice drums, you don't have to, but you can't be on any electronics for that hour that you're supposed to be practicing. So a little bit punitive because I need to get him jump-started again. So find what works well for you and your family. And hopefully out of all the things I talked about today, you found a couple of nuggets that are helpful. I know I'm talking about a lot of different situations and some of them may not be pertinent to you and your situation, but I was hoping to kind of hit upon all of them. And I hope that you're finding my podcast helpful. Stay tuned for the mini coaching podcast episodes. I'm excited about that. I actually think it's gonna be really fun to be able to read your questions and answer them directly. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Hitting that star really helps the podcast. Um, The more people who hit a star and review the podcast, the more the podcast gets seen. This has always been one of the top 50 parenting podcasts on iTunes, and, and it's because of you guys, you know, hitting the review buttons, hitting a star giving feedback that helps this show stay in the top 50 of all parenting podcasts, which then gets into the eyes and ears of people who need it. And that's the most important thing. If you have a few extra minutes and you can leave a review, I greatly appreciate that. That is just not only do I love reading them, but it's so helpful for other parents to get some true feedback about how the show is. And to show my appreciation, I periodically like to read some of them. So I want to thank GLB cardio. She wrote, or he wrote lifesaver. Natasha is a lifesaver. It's so hard for other people to understand what it's like to have a child with anxiety and OCD, even with a psychiatrist and a therapist, parents are really responsible for the bulk of the treatment. Natasha really helps navigate this difficult territory. I would feel lost without all the knowledge I've gained from her podcast and YouTube videos. Thank you. Thank you for writing our view. I really appreciate it. And I love that you realize that parents are really responsible for the bulk of treatment, because really whether we want to or not, we're with our kids 24 seven, and it's in the moment that we are shaping and coaching and helping our kids. And we cannot have our kids live in an isolated therapy bubble without us knowing our responsibility and what we're supposed to be doing. So love that. Thank you for writing our review. And if you have something nice to say, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. So don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.